Jim and uh, Tina Marie, delighted to meet you. Uh, whereabouts are you based? We're in uh, Banners Grove, Illinois, in the U.S. Yeah, just west of Chicago, about 20 miles. What, and what's your nearest water there? Well, we have a couple of quarries that we go to when we do uh, local training and diving. Uh, typically, we wait until it's really, really warm, <laughs> and then we do uh, picnics, and we'll have up to 100 people there, maybe 20 to 30 people with disabilities, and then the rest support staff, and we'll do that July, August, and September. One's in uh, South Beloit, uh, Illinois, which is near Wisconsin. The other is in Kankakee, Illinois. We really don't do much in Lake Michigan. You know, once in a rare while, we'll do something there with a very, very high-speed capable diver because it's very cold. But, yeah, but uh, uh, Lake Michigan is, though, a, bit, a big hot spot for diving. Mm -hmm. The Great Lakes are, yeah. in general. They're cold water diving, technical diving, but um, there's a lot of diving that happens in this area. Yeah, absolutely. I've been speaking to a few people that, that live and dive at uh, the lakes, and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a quite an experience. I think diving the lakes. Yeah, in fact, we have a uh, we have a volunteer here, Bruce Bidner, who is um, over the years he's been involved in projects where they pulled up uh, six uh, World War II planes where pilots were, were training for World War II, they, would, they made a fake aircraft carrier and they put it in Lake Michigan off of Chicago. And what they did is the pilots had to come to Chicago and make X number of landings and X number of takeoffs simulating aircraft carrier landings and takeoffs. And, and he pulled up six of those planes and then they go to Pensacola to get refurbished. And yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, excellent. So much, so much history there. But let's talk a little bit about um, Dive Heart. Um, how did it come about uh, and why? Well, I'll, I'll begin. Um, I, I, I'm a media guy. I was with the Chicago Tribune, WGN Radio, and I helped start up a TV station for the Tribune Company. And, and during my career, uh, one of my children were, was born blind and got her involved in downhill skiing. Um, my dad's a disabled army vet, so I've been around people with disabilities my whole life. And while I'm, I'm, I'm guiding and teaching blind skiers uh, in the mid-80s, I, I realized that, and I've been diving since college. I, as a journalist, I thought if I ever met Jacques Cousteau, I better know how to scuba dive. So I took scuba diving just as another arrow in my quiver, and then, of course, fell in love with it the second I, I got in the water. And then, um, so, so for, since the 80s, I'm, I'm brainstorming, wow, if, if skiing can do this, and you can only ski at certain times of the year at certain places in the world, but there's a pool in every community, we could do this with scuba diving and take people out of wheelchairs, put them in the water, get them standing up, which is the biggest thrill for me to watch them look down and go, oh my God, I'm standing again for the first time. And then, so that, so when I left the media business, I decided to start a nonprofit. And in 2001, in fact, this is our 20th year, um, we incorporated as a, a, we call it a 501c3 charity here in the U.S. And, and had thought it was going to be a little club kind of thing, like this blind ski group was. But I tell you, I mean, we've influenced the whole industry. It's, it's really exciting uh, to see people like, like Patty adopt it. I mean, when, when uh, Ross Neal from Rainbow Reef went to work for Patty, he um, kind of said, you guys got to be doing this adaptive stuff like Dive Heart. He was, Ross was one of our instructors. So it's, um, it's been very exciting. We had no idea. We have programs in Malaysia and Borneo all over the world. Yeah. Even the UK. 
<laughs> Even in the UK. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, as you're saying, you are global. Um, um, how many offices around or how many groups around the world do you have or does it not work like that? Well, it, it does and it doesn't. So um, when I met Dive Heart, I, I came on board in 2011 and then I became executive director in 2014. But that was kind of where... Um, the change from being a small in group of people that were doing, you know, some incredible things moved into the realm of let's start doing this and helping people do this all over the world, right? So in 2016, we expanded into Southeast Asia. Before then, Jim had been all over the Caribbean, had been going to Mexico for many years, um, had a following and started a charity in the UK, um, so that they could do this type of work there. And um, at first we thought, well, we could help people because it's, it's daunting to get everything that you need set up, right? Um, but now we're at a phase where I think enough people know about us. Enough, when we started our training agency in 2014, it was to help people learn and to give people the experience they need in order to feel confident to be a buddy, to be an instructor, um, and to go out and do it on their own. So now we're kind of doing a new type of morph where we're hoping to inspire people and to help them get this into their own community, but where they can run it. They can feel confident to um, reach out and, and get a pool, to establish their own program, we're happy to help them identify what they need to get done, but us being able to um, kind of oversee all those programs all at once, we discovered is a little bit more than what we can handle. <laughs> but we want the work to continue, and we want the work to continue everywhere it can, and it really is about community. So it's about being in that community, and you get your volunteers from that community, and you get your adaptive divers from that community, and you get your, your helper people from that community. So um, it can be and is being done all over the place. Yeah, we collaborate with, uh, I'm a Rotarian. I've been a lion and a Shriner and uh, big into service. And so when I go somewhere, um, I usually make them, the, the people who have invited me to us to come and start a program. I say, well, here's what we need to do. We need to set up meetings with the university medical centers because this is a therapy and uh, we want you guys to start doing research on this. We want to meet with the service organizations because they're going to help you raise funds for your adaptive divers if they need, if they need them for training or you need to rent a pool or something like that. And if you, you have a veterans program, we want to reach out to the veterans program like Help for Heroes in the UK. We, we met with them when I was there and we we were starting our program in Birmingham. Yeah, help for heroes, depth therapy. Mm -hmm. um, I've done some very limited work with them. And the most interesting thing I found working with them was just how, no matter how um, drastic the disabilities were, mm -hmm. as soon as they got in the water, the head under the water, that mm -hmm pain and stress of life just evaporated i mean not forever not when they came out of course things come back but most definitely that period of being underwater just made them forget everything else you're finding the same sort of thing yeah actually uh, doctors researchers from uh, john hopkins um went on a trip with um, a team we trained and 
had 12 veterans with spinal cord injuries and with post-traumatic stress disorder. And the research that they did was pretty extensive and they found that during the pilot study, uh, 80% of the PTSD symptoms were alleviated. Like you said, it just melts away kind of. And what we've seen for years is chronic pain is relieved during the time they're diving. But also if we get them in like a place like Cozumel for a week, it could be, they could be pain-free for up to a couple of weeks afterwards. Um, they also found there's an extra output of serotonin in the human body at three atmospheres. So at 66 feet, you get this extra kick of serotonin, which then helps with the pain management and the anxiety and all that stuff. So, and we're at the very tip of the iceberg when it comes to research. We've done 10 adaptive scuba symposiums on the benefits of scuba therapy. Um, the most recent one, 2019, was in Cozumel, Mexico. And we had top researchers from hyperbaric researchers from Duke University Medical Center and Northwestern University here in, in the Chicago area present in Cozumel. Of course, 2020, <laughs> we had to push everything, you know, forward. So we had 11 trips and 200 pool programs planned. Um, and, and of course that we, we, we pivoted like everybody is saying, right. But it's always, always been about adapting for us anyway. So. The other thing was um, we had a doctoral candidate do a three year study and she focused on um, initial impact of uh, these dive programs for people with traumatic brain injuries and with PTSD. And what she found is the first, very first experience you have is very, very impactful mm -hmm. for people um, up to the 50th one. And we're talking about in a pool. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking, how exciting can a pool be? It can be very exciting. It can, it, it really um, goes to the heart of people and, you know, their heart and their mind as to how they think about themselves and the abilities they have. And what I love about our programs is we always talk about what can you do. It's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do and using those um, abilities to give you this experience. And I think that's what really helps the person mentally. Um, that's where they find the courage, where they find that, you know, I'm not necessarily as different as I thought I was. You know, it, it, be it because you had an accident or be it because you might have an illness um, or something else that maybe you were born with, um, you know, they, they make this, they have this experience and it just changes them. Yeah, we, we tell people it's not about scuba diving, Jeff. We say it's about taking this unrealized human potential that exists in individuals with disabilities and creating a paradigm shift. When they, they all of a sudden they're not Johnny in a wheelchair anymore, they're Johnny the scuba diver, right? And now they go, wow, if I can scuba dive, I can do anything. And then sometimes they may never come back to the water with us, but they take on other challenges. But what we try to do is point them towards coral reef restoration and marine biology and oceanography to make them good stewards of the environment. So that's kind of one of our long-term goals and, and why we want to build a deep warm water facility so that we can replicate some of the stuff that like Hopkins found with the serotonin and stuff and in a nice warm controlled environment so that we can replicate this multiple times, many more times than we could traveling to the Keys or Florida Keys or traveling to Cozumel where, you know, you have all sorts of logistics and weather and things that can screw up your plans. Wonderful. And I mean, therapeutically, it, it, it works for everybody, uh, disabled or not. I know it certainly does for me. I mean, as soon as, as soon as the mouthpiece goes in and my eyes go underwater, that's it. Top world's yeah. gone. Yeah. So, you know, I can only imagine 
what it does for somebody with bigger problems. And, but of course, not, not just veterans, and um, you, you deal with a lot of children as well. Right. Um, we, we work with uh, people age 10 and older uh, to infinity. <laughs> if, they, if they can get in the water, we'll bring them in. Um, and what we've done in the past two or three years, we've had two camps where we focus specifically on children um, between the ages of 10 and, and 15. And we invite them down to Key Largo and we give them not just the diving experience, but we also give them experiences like at the Turtle Hospital uh, to see the rehabilitation of some of these animals. And we take them to Coral Reef Restoration where they learn about why it's important to uh, take care of our world and so that they can continue to go down and, and see all the creatures that amaze them so much. So it's, it's kind of a combination of scuba and science. And we hope to continue that. Um, we had to take a break over 2020, but we hope to continue it and to continue to um, impact young lives so that they can carry that forward the rest of their life. Yeah, and a cool side effect, Jeff, is um, when you uh, have an individual with a disability that, that this paradigm shift occurs, what it does is they influence people around them. So their sphere, their family, their friends, neighbors, coworkers, all of a sudden they're kind of, they see this change in this person and it, and it really affects the, the universe in a way because uh, I had friends that would come up to me when I was at WGN radio and say, you know, Jim, I was always afraid to take on this challenge in my life. But then when I saw your blind daughter skiing, I thought if she can ski and she's blind, I could do this. Right. And it was this ripple effect that I really kind of dug. And I thought, gosh, if we could get a million people with disabilities in the water and turn them into scoop, you know, aquanauts, they will go out and they will influence the world. And that's exactly what happened, like your experience with Help, Help for Heroes, right? You, you saw that and it, and it touches your life and affects your life. Um, whether we know it or not right away, it, it positively influences people and, and that's gotta be a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are there ever any circumstances where you have to say no to anybody? Actually, this isn't going to work for you. Um, the one condition that we're not able to uh, work with is people who have seizures or on seizure medication right now. Um, the reason being is if they're on, if they're under control and they're on seizure medication, we don't know, and this is, again, why we want to have a facility where we can research this, but we don't know what seizure medication does when they go underwater. A lot of times, um, we've seen anecdotally that people who are on different types of medications seem to go through, the medication doesn't last as long when they're diving. I don't know if it's because of their metabolism speeds up or, you know, God only knows, but um, right now we can't prove that. And we do not want to have a situation where someone has a seizure while they're underwater. So when it comes to seizures and seizure medication, we um, go with the, uh, what is it, guidelines from Divers Alert Network, and they require uh, five years seizure-free and off medication. Yeah, so I've run into a... Uh rear blood disorder once where uh, pressure was a problem. So any kind of pressure related illness where we could not take them down. I mean, 
shallow pool stuff might be possible for certain people, but um, of course, doctors have to sign off on all that before we get involved. Yeah. Do you, I mean, there's the, the, the physical disability. Do you ever consider taking on people with a mental disability? We, use, we work with people with cognitive disabilities. We work with okay. people who are nonverbal even. Um, and we find different ways. Well, you can't really talk underwater. So if we can find ways to communicate, right? Um, and with the cognitive disability, it is a little bit scarier. Sometimes um, if we're really concerned about a person, you know, and taking them underwater, um, they might be okay most of the time, right? So we've even got to the point where we're holding hands. We hold hands and as long as they're okay um, and, and they feel secure and we feel secure, then that's how we, we dive with them under the water. Yeah, we, um, with some of the university medical centers we work with, Jeff, um, the, we helped uh, Midwestern University here in, in Downers Grove, actually, um, work with occupational therapy students doing their research, and they did it on autism and scuba therapy, and that was the first study ever done on autism and, and the benefits of scuba th as a therapy, and, and part of it is pressure is a, is a therapy for somebody with autism. So they have weighted uh, uh, pressure vests, and they have weighted blankets, and they have sensory deprivation rooms that they use to work with individuals with autism. And Underwater, as you know, right, we kind of get that same benefit, right? We get the benefit of ambient pressure. We get the benefit of sensory deprivation. Now, triggers that normally happen on land are not happening because he's underwater in a different environment, right? So, so we found it, people with autism take to it like that. It's so amazing. And, and the cool factor is off the charts too, right? Because now we take video and pictures give it to the kid, and now he goes home. He puts it on, on social media and shares with his family, and it's like, oh, my God, you're a scuba diver? That is so cool. Well, that does stuff socially. And social, you know, people with autism have social issues too. If they can now be cool because they're divers, that, that kind of changes things here. You know what I mean? And they, they begin to assimilate better in their social relationships also so it's been very 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 powerful for individuals with autism i, I guess that's going to work through through all ages as well isn't it mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah and, it, and it's um i've had people tell me veterans other people who maybe socially again they don't have a lot of interaction with other groups or other people and and they said you know what i love about this program is i have people expecting me you know to show up somewhere and even just that um, gives them uh, value. And a, and a reason to get up in the morning, right? I'm going to Cozumel in six months. I better get in shape, you know, so I look good in my suit. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do you manage for equipment? Uh, does everything get hired in? Do, you, do people have their own? I mean, how does it all work? Well, it depends. So um, we get we accept donations of gear. So we have a lot of people donating gear to us. Um, when we get the gear, we evaluate it. Um, actually, well, since COVID, we've been doing a lot of work with our gear, getting it um, serviced, and you know, just we're we're actually in the middle of a project where we're adding an inventory tag to everything. We're really leveling up. Bar, um, <laughs> but. Um, but the, the way that we do the gear is we lend that gear out then to our participants who don't own their own. Um, 
if there's a volunteer who's like, you know, I really have my gear, but it, I don't want to take it into the pool because it can be, um, you know, get speed up. The chlorine isn't good for it necessarily. So we will lend out gear or we'll even say, if you give us a small donation, you can outfit yourself for your, your pool gear. And you use this when you're volunteering with us. And then you're really super duper nice gear you can use when you're going on your fun, you know, private trips. And COVID has really given us a, a lot of time to think about how we're going to move forward with new procedures and protocols for safety reasons, right? We can't be switching out. I mean, we would take a kit, right? And we would have one person in it. And if another person was the same size, it was floating in the water. You know, the chlorine was rinsing off the regulators and stuff. And we, would, we might dip it in a solution, but we would give it back to another person. Now that's out, right? We're not going to be swapping gear. That individual is going to have their own dedicated gear, and we're going to retire that gear after the session and clean it properly, or we're going to make sure we get that participant in their own gear so they're responsible for their own stuff. And we'll give them an outline as to how they can properly rinse it and care for it when they get home and stuff like that. Yeah, great. It's, I mean, gear is, it takes a lot of looking after. Uh, I know many don't, especially after a long winter break. You know, they just put it on and go in, which is like... We have two volunteers now working on, working on gear. As we speak. They're, they're retired, <laughs> thank goodness, right? <laughs> Perfect. The thing about gear, of course, is it's not cheap. I mean, diving is not cheap generally. So how do you finance everything? Uh, donations. Ninety percent uh, of our income is is from individuals who donate to us. Um, we do have some uh, very, you know, regular, you know, people or groups that donate to us as a grant, more of a, of a grant. But the majority of the money that we use is and and raise is from individuals who donate to us. And we're really, really good. I'm really frugal. So we're really good at making a dollar spend like $10, if not more. Like, for example, I, I left a successful income in the media business, and I don't draw a salary. And, and so Tina Marie will tell you, she goes, if Jim goes down, we're going to probably have to hire two or three people <laughs> to do his job. Because, you know, with the, with the, you know, I mean, all the things that I'm, I'm working seven days a week, but I love it. It's not work. You know what I mean? When you love what you're doing, it, it's, you, you do it. You just do it and you love it. And we've, we've been very successful in the partnerships we've mm -hmm. um, foster, uh, created and fostered over the years. So uh, we're able to, Goodness, we're able to, to have a lot of the things and operate in a lot of the ways that a larger organization that requires a lot more money, um, you know, do. And we try very, you know, we really think about the money that we're spending and, um, and how it's spent and why it's spent so that, you know, we're putting money where we really feel like we're going to get um, a positive outcome from. And sometimes, you know, you learn, but most of the time we're able to to really um, use it in a positive way and, and it comes out for the better for us. Yeah, like our Facebook page, it's a power partnership. And uh, what Tina Marie was saying is, is true. I mean, you know, uh, a good friend who was, I trained his kids how to dive back in the 90s. You know, he's a lawyer. And, and when I said, I had this idea for this nonprofit, I want to start called Dive Heart, but no, this logo can't be available. And she, 
he went and they did trademark work. And he goes, Jim, I talked to my partners. We're going to do your, all your trademark work and your 501c3 incorporation. And this is back in 2000, right? And so we incorporated in 2001. And Schiff Harden has had our back since day one. And, and we talk to them, not regularly, thank goodness. But we, we, when we need them, they're there. And, and that's the same with the people that maintain our vehicles for our programs and, and maintain our copiers in our office and just on and on and on. Uh, we have vendors that won't take our money when we go diving. And it's just when you develop those relationships, it really helps you do a lot more than you would be able to do if you were having to raise dollars and pay for everything. You know what I mean? That's, uh, that's lovely. There are a lot of nice people out there, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah, there really are. And for all your volunteers and people that, that go out with you, uh, with your clients i guess um how do the ratios work uh is it a one-to-one or does one person take grouped or does it depend on the disabilities Uh, the the standard for us is two to one for every person with a disability uh there's two buddies that work with them and then depending on um you know how many if, if someone's meeting us for the first time we will have an instructor with them plus the second buddy um if it's someone who really doesn't need a lot of assistance um, and maybe they've been a scuba diver before an injury or an accident or something like that, uh, in the pool, at least, we might say, okay, you, you only need one person. But where we can, we, we do two people at a minimum, two buddies at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we even add an additional buddy, uh, especially if we're out in the um, in the ocean and that would be a safety diver for in case one of the two buddies that are helping the adaptive diver run into trouble Mm -hmm. so we're always trying to be as um, overly safe as possible yeah our our training program jeff is uh it's just so unique in the industry Uh, we've developed tools that don't exist anywhere else we have assessment tools that for example if you have a disability and you want you come to us and go. I want to. I want to learn how to scuba dive. Well, we have you do a do a registry, and we learn all about you. But then also, you do this self evaluation. So, whatever training, and you have to like see the materials from a training agency like Patty or Nowi or SDI or SSI. So you have to look at those videos and read the manual and go through all that first. Then you do our assessment called the NSA evaluation, and and what you do is. You go through this and say, you saw how the, all the skills are done on a video, right? Well, you, you go, can I do an entry? Do I need help with an entry? No, I don't need help with an entry. And we go through all the scuba skills and you do your own self-evaluation. Now you come to me as an instructor, I'm the instructor, and I look at your evaluation and I see that you're a paraplegic and you're in a wheelchair, but you're really high functioning, Right. But your injury is relatively new, and your mind is saying, I, I can't do anything. I really can't do anything. I'm, I'm disabled now, right? My life. So then what I say, looking at you, is, is I, we go through our course then, our training program, and we go through our videos, which were shot by the same people that did Dan and Patty training videos, so they're top-notch. And, and all our training materials are, are based on decades of, 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 of training people and working with people with disabilities. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I look at that evaluation you did, and maybe you were really timid, and you were really underestimating what you could do. And then when we get through all the adaptive training, and you learned all that stuff, you come out, and then I do a second evaluation. And I go, 
you know what? Jeff went from thinking he couldn't do anything to really being maybe almost open water, right? But he still needs two buddies. And, and but we, so we put you in an adaptive dive team and then other tools we have help us, the adaptive diver profile slate, when we, before we go on a dive, we sit down and we go, do through, go through this assessment. What was your NSA score? What did Jim Elliott give you? Okay, well, you need two buddies, all right? Tell us about your abilities. Tell us what you can do. And we go through another checklist of all the things that could come up on a dive, and then we have notes. So if I need to put special clip-on weights on your lower D-rings, and I need to put a tank weight you know, on, your, on your, the top of your tank because you're, you're pivoting a little bit because part of your body may have atrophied, then that's all noted on your slate. And that slate is something that you keep as an adaptive diver. We don't call you disabled or handicapped. You're an adaptive diver, right? Now you have that slate. And if you go from uh, the Florida Keys to Hawaii, you bring that slate with you and talk to another one of our adaptive instructors. And you can say, here's the waiting scenario they had for me in, um, in, in the Keys, but this is a little bit cooler water. So I'll, I'll need a thicker wetsuit. So we might want to modify that, right? So it's, it's so safe. And, 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 and the adaptive diver is a critical part of that adaptive dive team. And, and we put it on them. I mean, you know, if they're on a boat, and, and nobody did a pre-dive safety check. We're, I'm like, it's on you, Jeff. You know, you're, you're, I don't care if you're in a wheelchair. You're part of that team, and that's your equipment, right? And, we, of course, we're, we're doing the fun way. We don't beat anybody up. You know, it's all challenged by choice. We try and to we work, it. right. Yeah. We, work with, we work with how, um, how much ability you have. And you don't always have to go and dive with an instructor. But um, right. after, after you're certified, you know, we, your card will tell you what type of team makeup you require. And as anything else, um, divers hopefully get better the more they dive. And so um, for someone who's like, you know, I really thought I was going to do open water and, you know, I feel like these are training wheels. And I'm like, keep the training wheels so that you're safe, get better, become a really good diver and come back and say, I'm ready to get my training wheels off. And, and that could happen. You know, because hopefully you do get better. You, you understand yourself as a diver better over time. You understand the type of buddies that you like and don't like and how, I mean, we have, we have some adaptive divers that are just like, okay, um, yeah, I liked you on my team. No, you, you, need, you need to work on some of your skills, right? Because you, you weren't there when I needed you for this. So um, it's really, you know, those adaptive divers, you know, take as much control as they they can. Another, another thing we're really proud of, Jeff, with, the, uh, with our, our training program is we developed a certification level called the Advanced Adaptive Dive Buddy. So if you're a rescue diver or you're a dive master, or you, you don't ever want to be an instructor, right? I don't want to be an instructor, but you're a really solid diver, right? You can handle your buoyancy. You can handle a quadriplegic in the water, in a ripping current, right? But you don't want to be an instructor. So we created this advanced adaptive dive buddy certification level. And so that is a key, you know, if, you, if you're a quadriplegic and you can't equalize and you can't do certain things, we will put an advanced adaptive dive buddy, an adaptive dive buddy, trained adaptive dive buddy in your, in your group. And then like Tina Marie said, we'll put a, another safety diver in that group in case one of those two guys have a problem 
and, and every single person, whatever level you are as a trained buddy, you learn how to take a, a quadriplegic from 100 feet, if that's the case, safely to the surface on your own. We, we call it the single quad takedown drill. It's kind of like a wrestling move, uh, but it's, it's really fun. And both our advanced adaptive dive buddies and our instructors have to have thresholds of experience before they get that certification card. So you don't get to just come in and do empathy training and go, oh, I'm, I, I'm pretending I'm blind. I'm pretending I'm a para. I'm pretending I'm a quad. Here's your card. Go get them, Tiger. You know, you can't get our card unless you have 30 experience, thresholds of experience. And so when we go to Cozumel, we do total immersion training. So we do two morning boat dives with adaptive divers, no more than six per boat, no more than four wheelchairs per boat, two to three buddies per adaptive diver. And you do two dives in the morning, we have lunch. And then in the afternoon, I get to beat up instructors, teaching them all the empathy stuff, right? Well, let's see how you do it with no fins, with your legs tied together and do this skill, remove your BC in midwater while you're hovering. It's, it's, it's a great thrill for me to watch instructors that are all that in a bag of chips do some of these skills <laughs> because, you know, if, if you don't know humility, life will visit humility upon you, <laughs> and this program helps do that. So it's a lot of fun, and we do it in a, in, in a, in a fun way. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I think you're doing wonderful work and uh, amazing it's been an absolute joy talking to you and thank you for taking the time to tell us all, all about it. I guess, um, I guess you're always looking for volunteers to help out. Always. Yeah. Always, and from anywhere. Um, we have people that, that come and we're hoping to do once travel is allowed again, we're hoping to do more travel. You know, I, I have a, a, an inkling that we'll hopefully go out to Egypt at some point and maybe do something out there and, um, do some other trips. We, we have a very interested group that's out in um, Dubai, if you can believe it, uh, that wants to see us come out there and do some training. So um, always keep your eyes and ears open. You never know where Dive Heart's going to pop up and we invite people to come and join us. And one way that people can volunteer remotely, we have this whole outreach and education program that we do. And if you go to click on media at diveheart.org and click on media, you'll find our brand new media kit that we had, we had time to develop during COVID on our brand new website that we had time to develop because of COVID. And then, um, and there's also, we have a YouTube channel with everything in playlists. So if you want medical stories, if you want symposiums, if you want military stories, if you want fun stuff, it's all there on YouTube as well. And then we have a media library below our media kit. And what you can do is you might know somebody who's struggling with the disability, who's in kind of a, a melancholy period of their life, depressed or whatever. You might go, go through our media list and see something that really inspires you and go, oh my God, here's a quadriplegic that is just high on life because they're a diver. You take that link and you send it to somebody who, who needs that lift that hope and healing, right? And it changes their lives. It's amazing. We can get people pumped up remotely. And, and that's what volunteers can do now during COVID is from the comfort of your, your home is you just go through and you take our stories and you boom, blast those out to your networks or, and, and help and they will help somebody else. And then they'll help a kid and then they'll help a family. And, and we want, this is the beauty of what we do is we get, we get the veteran with the, with the disability, but his son has autism. Well, they can both become divers. 
and we can put them with the team. And now families, complete families can go diving. And we've had that with families that have children with cerebral palsy and Down syndrome and different types of autism and different types of disabilities. We train up the family and then they go to a place that is like, like Rainbow Reef in Key Largo. We train them all the time. They're, we're sending people there all the time because they do our stuff. And, um, and they, so you know you're in an environment where the dive operator knows how to handle you, knows how to respect you, knows if your child has autism when they, when they ask your child to do something, if the child doesn't respond properly or right away, they don't judge that child or get upset and go, why didn't that kid do that? I told them to get out of the way because they're, they're sensitive, right, to that. They've gone through our empathy training. But then this family can go to Rainbow Reef and can go, hi, I'm, I was dive hard trained, and we, they assess things, they go through the profile slate, they go out on a dive, and they have a, an amazing time. And that's kind of our goal, man. If we get a million families out there traveling with their loved ones with disabilities, it'd be a success. Wonderful. Thank you both again. <clears throat> As I say, lovely to talk to you and the best of luck with the future. I mean, just as you're going is, is, is a wonderful thing to know about. I'll wind it up for there and um, I'll say goodbye. So uh, thank you again. Thank you.